Welcome to another episode of our tea podcast in Let's Talk Cloud Networking. Your hosts, myself, John Gonzalez, and Nuan Mustafa. And today, we're very pleased to be joined by Sean Norris, who's a chief architect of cyber defense infrastructure. Sean's an industry expert uh, and a thought leader. And we've asked Sean to come along here today to give us his views and his ideas, what the trends are, what's happening amongst different customers, what he's seen, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and any ideas and recommendations he could pass on. Hi, Sean. Why don't you go ahead? Please introduce yourself. Hi, John. Hi, Norman. Thanks for having me on today. Um, thanks for the introduction. So I'm the chief architect for cyber defense infrastructure, uh, part of a large corporation. I've been working with the various cloud providers for uh, almost 10 years now. Uh, I got started with utilizing AWS, and uh, it's amazing to see how much those tools have evolved. Uh, later, started utilizing Azure and then GCP. Uh, over the course of my career in the last decade or so, I have managed everything from uh, Kubernetes clusters, uh, web service applications, as well as just general uh, application services or enabling uh, services for on-premise connectivity back to the cloud. Excellent. Thanks for that introduction. So Sean, um, uh, one of the things that we normally ask uh, our uh, guests, right? Because we, we, we did not call it a coffee podcast. We call it a tea, tea podcast because me and John are like tea better than coffee. So what's, what's your taste? What do you like? Um, you know, believe it or not, I've been trying to cut back on coffee uh, or caffeine in general. So I've actually given up uh, coffee and switched to tea myself. So I'm, oh, I'm with awesome. you guys on that. Okay. <laughs> and what sort of tea do you like, Sean? Um, there's a local tea company that makes this tea called Alpine Berry. I believe it uses a black tea leaf um, and okay. it is absolutely fantastic. Okay, nice. we, should, uh, we should try it then. Uh, we should try it, yeah. Yeah, uh, two, two leaves and a bud. I'll give them a shameless uh, plug there, shameless self-plug there. Awesome. Is, it, is it loose leaf or is it in a back tea bag? Type um, they're in tea bags. Tea bag. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Something maybe we can, uh, John, we can uh, recommend to our, uh, you know, break room staff to have, have it in our break room. <laughs> yeah, it's still getting it in, yeah. <laughs> That was actually how I got started with it. Uh, okay. It was uh, it happened to be there, and I was like, "What is this?" And I picked it up, and sure enough, it had you know the address right down the street. And I'm like, "Oh, cool! I'll have to try this." And then, yeah, I, I fell in love with it. That's Thank great. goodness it wasn't a brewery, eh? <laughs> right. There's well, there's a few of those around too out here. That's for sure. <laughs> that's great. So, so Sean, um, uh, I think uh, we are actually lucky today that uh, we have someone uh, with uh, with your experience specifically on cyber defense and who have been working in the cloud for almost uh, 10 years now because this experience in my opinion is priceless. Uh, a lot of customers are now moving to the cloud and they're learning the hard way in terms of uh, how they need to be disciplined in the cloud. Applications are moving but a lot of architecture and security thoughts are coming into play now, right? It becomes almost like an afterthought because people just think mostly about migration or migration of applications, whether it's refactoring, rewriting, but then they, they actually uh, depend too much on CSP 
capabilities to be able to do rest of the things. And once they move to the cloud, they figure out there is no architecture, security. They they are the ones who needs to be responsible for. So from your experience, um, how do you think security is different in the cloud as compared to the on-prem world? And what are some of the things that enterprises or enterprises security architects, network architects should be thinking well before they move into the cloud when they are thinking about uh, application migrations or moving some of the Kubernetes stuff into the cloud? You know, obviously the CSP provides some of the basic stuff, but you know, what are some of the things that you have learned on how it is different and what could be your, some of the recommendations for people? And, and it's not that, you know, it, it's something that, you know, yeah, you will learn over time on how cloud works, but you can always take approach of, okay, phase one, I will do this, phase two, I will do this. And slowly, gradually, uh, in terms of implementing it, you can do it, but in a safer way so that on day one, you're not exposing your business or data to threats and security flaws. Yeah. Um, two things that I'd probably point out there is one, the cloud providers, the public cloud providers have done a really great job of making the cloud pretty easy to use at this point. The problem with that is in a lot of cases, they've traded convenience for security. And so you have a lot of very permissive security rules, for example, when you first deploy things. Um, you know, it's gotten a little better over the years, uh, but we're still not quite there yet. And, you know, it's, it's great that we've got the, the convenience and the ease of use there because the entry barrier is lower, but you're absolutely right. The, the best way to do this is, is a phased approach is what I've found. Um, you know, I, I've migrated a number of applications over the years to the cloud, a number of servers and systems to the cloud as well. And almost always the first step is, you know, if it's containers or if it's an app that needs to be container, making the container is, is really just the first step and getting it running and there's the first step because of those reasons I just said, where everything is kind of overly permissive and easy to use, we need to then enter into that phase two and phase three, where we go back and look at, well, now that it's running in the cloud, how can we better utilize cloud native tooling to secure it? Simple things like security groups. There are network ACLs on most providers as well. So you can just adjust those. Um, and then of course, how we can layer in things like web application firewalls that are provided straight from those cloud native providers as well. It's fantastic that they've shifted a lot of that that we used to have to configure manually either by deploying an additional instance or something like that to actually being able to click a few buttons and configure those firewalls right in the provider there. But those are all things that we absolutely need to do um, you know, pretty much day one um, on when you're shifting your, your applications and your systems to the cloud. Yeah. And I think um, we actually, uh, I mean, this is basically uh, my, my, mine and John's learning as well. I think about a year ago, uh, we used to say that security is a shared responsibility. And then in the last one year after working with customers and actually getting the real experiences, we figured out that security is not a shared responsibility. Security actually is customer's responsibility. Uh, CSP will not take the blame. And let's say if you have a threat or if you have a security breach, it's the customer who is responsible. You are just using the infrastructure. So there's no excuse of being naive when you're moving your applications to the cloud. From day one, you need to make sure you're protecting. And I think I have also seen that it's basically a 
security at multiple layers, multiple levels. It's not no longer a environment where in on-prem world, for example, everything was very well defined. Uh, you have a parameter, you have a DMZ, you have an access distribution core. If you have servers sitting at an access layer, they can only go out in a certain way from a certain exit point in a DMZ where things are being inspected. But if you look at the cloud, right? Cloud, each VPC have an internet gateway. So your applications or microservices can exit out right from that VPC, right? And same thing with egress, ingress flows are very different. So the application architecture in the cloud is much different and network and security architecture needs to follow what the application architecture is. And one of the things that I see um, people are struggling with is when they move to the cloud, they say, okay, I'm just, I'm very comfortable with my security posture in on-prem. I'm just going to move and maybe let's say if it's a Palo Alto, right? I'm just going to lift and shift my Palo Alto and, and I'll be good, right? So, but what people realize is the underlay is also different now, right? And people have almost, you know, when they're trying to configure Palos manually, they feel it's like a brain surgery to get these Palos and how do you steer the packet uh, into that Palos, um, which is where I think uh, things like the electric, for example, the policy framework that we have comes really handy for customers. But in general, I see that the architects needs to rethink the security postures. Yes, leverage your follows and checkpoint, but then each CSP is coming out with their own native firewalls as well. So leverage, as you said, NACLs and security groups, leverage that, but do it as a policy because that will make life easier for you, right? In order to do that. And I think you over time have probably done both approaches where you started playing with it natively and build things manually, but then you have also experienced things where you can actually consume born in the cloud platforms like Avitrix, for example, and then make life easier and focus on bigger things as a chief architect. So what has been your experience and what would be your advice to enterprise architects who are now recently going to the cloud or trying to make it better for what they have initially in cloud 1.0 they built out natively? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. So the on-prem environment is, is, is very familiar to most architects at this point and engineers. And when you move into the cloud, you want to just think that, oh, it's it's the same thing, right? It's just in the cloud. And the reality is that's that's false. Um, while it is highly similar and there's a lot of shared uh, similarities, but at the end of the day, they're, they're, it's not a one-to-one -one match. Some of the concepts are new. And you, know, you gave a perfect example there where when you're deploying things into a, a VNet or a VPC, uh, they have their own internet gateway and they can just talk out on their own. And unless you are, are working to steer that traffic to your Palo Altos and adjusting those ACLs and, and route tables, um, then they kind of just have free reign. And that's completely different than your traditional setup where you have a physical cable and you can kind of think about it very logically of, okay, it goes to this switch and then it goes to the gateway and then it goes out through the modem or whatever, right? So um, yeah, it, it's really just a matter of sitting back and realizing that that's the case, that you, you don't have that physical delineation anymore and that it's almost like... Uh, if you don't do it, if you don't think about it from day one, you end up with that rat's nest that we all hate, right? It's just cables yeah. going everywhere and the traffic can go anywhere it wants. So um, taking an approach from day one to make sure that you're thinking about these policies um, and most of the, the cloud providers too have a built-in way to at least monitor, if not automatically correct those policies. So uh, in AWS, it's config, if I remember the name correctly. Um, it uh, allows you to do things like, hey, don't allow any 
you know, add traffic on port 22 to be open to the world, right? You can literally build those things from day one, just to make sure that as you're moving things to the cloud and probably going quickly with, you know, specific timelines and your boss is yelling at you or whoever, right? <laughs> and that way you make sure that you've got baked in security out of the box. So to, to kind of uh, put a bow on that, I would say that my advice uh, after doing this multiple times in multiple clouds for, for various uh, customers and employers over the years, it would be make sure that you start with those policies and, and that kind of automation first, um, at least at a monitoring level, even if you don't want it to modify the security group. So that way you can know Hey, why did we just deploy a VM that has, you know, RDP ports or SSH ports open to the world? And then you can work from there to either have it automatically remediate it um, or whatever. That way, when you're also working on retooling your Palo Altos or whatever firewall that you happen to be using, um, you've at least still got that base level of like, all right, we're, we've got, we, we know some of those wires for the inbound and outbound where the traffic is is going and then yeah. i can focus on making sure that i've got my uh, whatever i'm deploying firewall wise and and other network security appliance wise uh configured properly from there and i can spend the time to to do that that's great and sean just staying on security but with a slight segue the um enterprises using pure cloud native, the, um, I worry that at some point the um, compliance, the audit, the regulators, they're going to have a, a heightened need to come in check, especially you know if you're a regulated, coming from a regulated sector. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not convinced in my own mind, staying all cloud native, which is a nice thought, don't get me wrong, makes it life nice and easy. I'm not convinced that you're going to have those controls, those governance, strong risk management practices. You know everything about your data, where it is at any given time. You've got that complete global visibility. Um, and when these compliance and audit teams and especially external regulators come, come, come knocking on your door and asking to examine and look at your risk management practice, what controls you have in place, are you actually in control not only of your data, but of your customer's data, and if the answer is somewhat wishy-washy in between, they're not going to be too pleased to give you a pass rating. So how do you see this going for sort of these regulated, and not even fully regulated, you know, every big enterprise has their own internal and compliance teams anyway, right? Um, so they, they can't do their own internal auditing. And you still want to pass those. Um, so what, what sort of, what, what are you seeing out there? What's happening in this respect? So... Again, I would say that one of the keys here is when you're able to have an to give an auditor actually, here is my specific policies that I have deployed through Azure Security mm -hmm. through AWS Config. It monitors, you know, these specific controls. It may not meet all of the things that they're looking for. You're probably still going to have to demonstrate other things, but you know, simple things where you're enforcing encryption on your S3 buckets or uh, encryption on your your data disks, uh, so on and so forth. You know, those are all requirements in your PCI DSS and HIPAA and so on. Um, so if you're able to just literally pull the policies and say, "Look, here it is. It's enforced right here." That 
gives them something that they can sit there next to their spreadsheet and say, oh yeah, they've got this, they've got this, they've got this. So it, it at least gets you over that initial hump of, you know, those first And, and give some confidence. Exactly. But the, it's one thing to say, I've got these policies. Mm -hmm. It's another thing executing on them and proving to those audit teams that you're actually carrying out and you are executing what you said you're doing. Right. And prove that to me. Right. Right. Show me that visibility end to end. Right. Yeah. John, John, John sounds like he has been dinged in the past. I have. I can begin, I can feel it. Well, I, I, I remember. Uh, out, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I don't. I don't presently have uh, PC IDSS uh, stuff that I deal with, but I, previously I did, and I always remember those were three to four day processes because of things like this, right? So you know, you're, you're like, here's what we do. And then in a lot of cases, they would say, okay, we'll demonstrate it. Right. And yeah. so we found the way to get that down to like a two day process was to rely in. And I will say we, we did have to rely on, on other tools. Um, but those tools, you know, um, particularly like Qualys and things like that, where then we could actually show at a host level, look, everything is patched. Here is the level of encryption. Um, you know, we've got, uh, was it bit, BitLocker uh, on all, you know, the Windows system. So the drives are encrypted there. Mm -hmm. And I could show you in my cloud provider that I've also got the actual um, EBS volumes. If we're talking about yeah. AWS, EBS volumes are encrypted here. So you can show those multiple layers that not only have I um, configured this at the cloud provider level, but I've got this at the host layer. And that for us at least was able to save us two days off of our, our audit. But honestly, John, I don't know that I've found the magic bullet yet for that. <laughs> no. and, and, and I think, you know, I, I do think it's going to get much more prevalent, um, especially, you know, for large enterprises, regulated sectors. They, you know, the auditors are going to start, you know, checking on people. What are you doing? You know, you've got important applications up there in the cloud. You've got customer data in the cloud. You now need to demonstrate yeah. that you've got yeah. control, you have the governance, you have good, strong risk management pr practices. You have, you know, your disaster recovery that's proven to be work. How often are you doing disaster recovery? You know, quarterly, yearly, never. Show me, prove it, you know? All yeah, exactly. Sort of and, yeah. and you really, to that point too, want to be doing that for yourselves. Um, yeah. And exactly. anybody who's been in the industry more than a few years, hopefully knows yeah. that at this point. Yeah. And I think, exactly. um, John, I think um, the, the threats are getting sophisticated, right? There yeah. are bad, bad actors out there. And we have seen that yeah. as soon as you put a application on the internet, you can see how many bad actors are now trying to reach that. Uh, and obviously, you know, auditors are going to get more informed and educated as well. So mm -hmm. it's going to become more, more and more stricter, stricter in terms yeah. of passing those compliance because there is important user patient data, financial data in the cloud that companies and businesses are processing, right? So that needs to be protect, protected. Um, like for instance, you know, I have a friend um, in, a, in a CSP and these days they are there and he, he manages their uh, compute uh, platform. And he mentioned that the biggest headache for them these days is these bad actors using customers instances to do uh, Bitcoin mining. Yeah. And so what they do is as soon as you upload a code to a GitHub repository, they get access to the credentials and then they run a five minute job that goes into one of your system and then 
basically you create bitcoin mining in your compute environment through your accounts yeah do it for 5 minutes 10 minutes get out right so all of these things are starting to happen and i think um, one thing that sean said uh, which is very very good it's all about having security at different layers you can't have one solution like say okay i'm going to push my palo alto and you're done it's every yeah. layer it's vpc layer it's application layer it's credential layers iam policies it's a network layer and a lot of people uh, who are actually coming to us uh, from evitrix right they are mm-hmm. able to pass their audit just by putting security finet and making sure that this vpc blue vpc trying to talk to a green vnet i want yeah. to make sure i have inspection in there so they come in they get deployed in about 1 hour 2 hour they have security in place service installation uh, security in place and they're able to satisfy as you said Sean the checkbox checkbox yeah that the auditor is looking for so i think it needs to be at all level and networking is also a very foundational level for security exactly. in the cloud and one of the things that um, uh, that we uh, recently released uh, Sean i think you probably have seen it is a uh, is called threat iq and threat guard is is basically you know in the cloud when you have aws and azure and gcp and oracle and you have applications and services across distributed across the board and then you have uh, some connections back to the back to the on prem the one thing that customers are missing right now is how do i get a visibility of the traffic flows in my new data center which is a combination of all these clouds right so i may have tools that are in one cloud separately a siloed environment maybe i can do it but i want to be able to see okay if i send a, a traffic from a microservice a in a vpc in aws to a exadata database in oracle i want to be able to know how this traffic is flowing and if there is any bad actors in the middle or from a security perspective i be i will be able to detect that and we actually um, to show that uh, network the, the importance of network or network security we just recently introduced a service called thread iq where you know we integrate with a uh, known uh, malicious uh, ip address service like you know you know whatever there are many of them out there but then we get all the database of all the known malicious ip addresses and as soon as we see one of those ip addresses in our network or in customers network right we immediately alert we show who is this trying to talk to in your environment and then we since we have these gateways in the data plane across the board we can block it right away before even the security admins know about it because i think the the biggest problem that some of the cios and ctos have said that we don't expect that we'll be able to block everything or all the threats but if you're able to find out within 5 minutes that there is some attack or breach happening we can take actions to safeguard our customers data and private information that we want to safeguard so knowing about that threat is very important part and having that visibility through even the network layer uh, a network security layer is very very critical so sean from your perspective you know how do you see this concept i know that um, you know uh, aws and azure maybe will come out with something where they'll try to show this but the this importance of having that flow and visibility how important is that for for security architects like you i have a great answer but can i pause one second i realized mm-hmm. i've walked out here without my power supply <laughs> yeah 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 let's pause okay so yeah i would actually speak directly to um copilot and threat iq those have been hugely helpful uh for us so one of the things that we do in in my current uh employment is i'm in charge of making sure that the work of multiple security teams specifically 
are is secure and you know as or as secure as possible but it's a really interesting line of work because the teams are very very unique right uh, we have one group of people that are security analysts that are actually going out you know to like the dark web for example and interacting with criminals to buy zero day exploits and things like that i've got another group that you were talking about those advanced threats they're developing those advanced threats for the purposes of adversary simulation and things mm -hmm. like that you know and then i've got another group that uh their work is involved uh with if a data breach or suspected data breach has occurred they're going in and doing their forensic investigatory work right so where Copilot and Threat IQ has been absolutely huge for us is they're constantly spinning up uh, ephemeral architecture that is potentially, you know, doing strange or, or knowing, sometimes knowingly bad things, right? And Threat IQ gives us the ability to make sure that we're doing the same things over and over. And it's actually really helped with our user behavioral uh, analytics uh, so that we know, like, okay, that's a new connection. That's not the usual thing that that, that particular team is doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's also given us the ability to see what's there at any given moment. So one of the things that I've found to be very lacking, especially when you're dealing with, with multiple cloud providers, um, is it can often be tough to see exactly how many uh, VMs or EC2 instances that you've got running at any given time and how many networks and the CIDR that's there and so on and so forth. And the Aviatrix toolkit has given us a way to see all of those things, right? And not only see all of those things, but like I was mentioning earlier with the, you can see the network cables and where they're going. Effectively, yeah. that's what Copilot has done for us with the flows. We can actually see that uh, a particular uh, VM is communicating with another one and that's expected traffic and normal. So it gives us a way to also uh, take our NetFlow data mm -hmm. and visualize it in a way that is actually useful because I don't know about you guys but for years I've collected NetFlow data and hardly been able to do much with yeah. it until there's an incident and then you know we dig through it and whatever but this is like day to day you can get in there and see it yeah. <laughs> and Sean with a lot of you know intelligent tools now you know for for cloud and complication of cloud etc how do you see the importance of folks having to upskill their capabilities to be relevant in the cloud? You know, because most folks are coming from the on-prem world um, and now they, they've either been pushed or voluntarily they want to learn in you know, cloud, but there's an upskilling and, they, um, and there's a mindset change to it as well. Um, you know, a lot of folks that I've come across, they try to bring their, their, their on-prem world with them not only in their mind but physically as well um, and if they drop the physical then they still their mindset is still thinking this is the way i've done it this is the way we've got to do it type thing you know um, you know so there's a need there for a lot of um change and a lot of upskilling how do you see customers ad ad you know adapting to that yeah um, you're right about the mindset change. The positive, though, is that with your background in, in network and systems engineering, uh, with what I was mentioning earlier about the convenience factor that AWS, Azure, and GCP have all baked into their clouds, it's relatively easy to pick up what's going on there 
just by learning some nomenclature and spending a little time with the cloud providers. So the biggest, uh, most helpful things, um, you know, of course, there's always the University of YouTube, um, which will uh, provide a lot of great information. But most of your cloud providers now offer a free amount of credits and whatnot for you to yeah. use. So if I were to go and, you know, and I've, I've got some entry level and, and younger guys that I've, I've mentored over the years. Um, obviously, YouTube, um, A Cloud Guru is another great resource because mm -hmm. they actually let you do the labs on there. Um, but any of those resources, if for me, it was mostly about relearning kind of the nomenclature that things are named differently. And then I was able to relate that back to my on-premise experience. At that time, I probably had five, six years of on-premise experience, maybe a little more. Um, with, and by being able to do that, I was like, okay, so I don't have, um, you know, VLANs, for example, anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I have, you know, full-blown VPCs and whatnot, and those are separate. Yeah. And I don't want them to communicate. I have to do peering and so on and so forth. So it was kind of it took a little while to pick up those concepts, but once you do that, you're able to relate them back to what you already know and you'll pick it up pretty quick. Right. And do you see our own ACE program helping, helping folks on that journey? You know, it's quite comprehensive, the different modules, et cetera. I do. Absolutely. Um, so the, the first level is the ACE professional, if I remember correctly, right? ACE associate. Yeah. Oh, for, ACE. You know, self -paced. ACE, ACE associate yeah. and then ACE professional, right. Um, yeah. So that the ACE associate uh, program, I found uh, I have particularly two people on my team that I can think of that really didn't have a strong background in the cloud. And even the guys that did, they were often like, yeah, I'm AWS or, oh, I'm Azure. And yeah. they yeah. really get exposed. And one of the things I liked about the uh, associate program was that you went through each of those and explained those concepts. So like, you know, Azure calls them VNets and AWS and GCP call them VPCs. Just little things like that will totally yeah. throw you off if you haven't been exposed to that. Yeah. No, it, it's a hugely successful program. You know, we're pushing now 15,000, you know, ACE certified folks globally now, you know, so. Yeah, and, and this is just about it, like 17, 18 months. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we get to this number, but I think I still remember, Sean, um, when we started working in cloud uh, about two years ago, um, and obviously we are coming from a very heavy networking background uh, with Cisco and VMware and, and all of that. And we say, okay, let's just learn, pick one cloud. And we say, okay, where, where is the training? So we, we basically signed up for a uh, training with Azure. And we, say, we specifically say that, hey, you need to teach us from a networking perspective. Mm -hmm. right? And we paid $27,000. We have like four or five guys. $27,000. I hope my boss is not listening. <laughs> you pay $27,000. It's such a horrible training that we had to stop in within two days yeah. and say, okay, we just give us the content. We will teach ourselves because these guys are not networking people. None of the CSPs are networking and networking security people. They are computer people. They are services people. They can talk about Office 65 and they can talk about, you know, your um, uh, services that they're offering S3 and all that, but they're not really networking security people. So we said, okay, you know, we will learn things the hard way and we will develop something for traditional networking, networking security, security folks that they can understand. So this associate course that you see is basically a, you know, the need where, you know, all the clouds are different. People cannot go to four different classes and learn all these different constructs. So in this associate course, we don't really focus on the platform that much. We focus on understanding cloud networking and networking security, how each cloud does it. 
what are the gaps and how do you build an architecture i think everything revolves around you know all architects here right at the end of the day the most important thing is architecture once you understand the architecture where are your applications sitting who they are talking to what are the different ways of talking and communicating then you begin to figure out okay how do i need to protect so a lot of the security people they are coming to those courses they are understanding the multi cloud <clears throat> or the cloud network architecture and then they figure out okay from my perspective this is what i need to secure and i know the the flows uh, i need to know the ingress egress <clears throat> uh, rules and policies that i need to implement what are the breaches that could happen how do i connect to the on prem world this could be your my branches but it could also be my new type of edge iot devices right um, or it could be my sensors into one of my let's say nike stores uh, so there are a lot of things that you need to understand from an architecture perspective and then you say okay i need to make sure that i am securing all my traffic flows uh, based on my business requirements so that's a that's a great point uh, for for new new uh, emerging uh, people who are trying to fast track their learning is go pick up these basic associate courses from cloud but then also as associate will bring everything together in an architecture and it will teach you all of the native constructs of each cloud and where the gaps exist so that you can then start to do your job uh, much much easier way so yeah. anyways yeah coach one oh i was going to say and th- those gaps are exactly why i've worked with accenture at my, my previous two employers now uh, is because those those gaps are pretty painful <laughs> um so yeah. it, it's one of the things absolutely with the associate training i'm i'm glad that um you you have that now um and that it it takes the time to take us through that cuz you think that oh it'll be easy like everything else in the cloud right i'll just create this peering and whatever and um then some things kind of fall apart and it doesn't work quite like you wanted and then you go and you deep dive into the documentation and you realize oh well, actually it's because it doesn't do that or the throughput isn't what it's supposed to be and so on and so forth so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sean look we've taken more more time than what we did i can't apologize we always overrun all right so <laughs> no, this, this is great I've, i've really enjoyed talking to you guys so <laughs> i just wanted to do, are there any one or two key takeaways you can give to our audience um you know whether it be security related whether it be general cloud related whatever you think people can benefit from yeah um i would say one is uh don't let the cloud intimidate you um i know that that it's very different than the on prem world um but if you take your time and you really think uh from a if you really think it through and break things into phases you can get to where you need to be uh, and sometimes you you really do I, i think it was in one of your other podcasts you got to slow down to go fast and if you take yeah. the time and like i mentioned with the policies and things up front um then you're you're going to be much better off in in the long run and have a much more positive experience moving into the cloud and utilizing the cloud all right no i i i make you right it's not just about a strategy to get to the cloud it's how you get to the cloud you know that's just as important you know oh yeah and and it doesn't end once you're in the cloud yeah. right just 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 because you moved your your virtual machines and and your applications into the cloud doesn't mean that it that it ends there right there's yeah. always new features and better ways to to do things so um don't don't create technical debt just thinking like oh i moved it to the cloud it must be better it's like mm, all you did mm-hmm. was move it so far that's the real part is at least you just moved it from a to b yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great uh, advice. Uh, so I guess you know if people forget everything that we talked, you just remember two things. One is uh, don't let the cloud intimidate you. Um, 
you know embrace it uh, this that's where the business is heading it's not about it's no longer about why cloud it's about how cloud because businesses are actually finding lot of agility with the cloud and it's basically uh, even a matter of your uh, competitive existence right whether you exist or not as a business right it, it depends on that it's that critical and the other thing you would remember that alpine black tea that uh, shock mentioned <laughs> Everything else you can forget. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm like to you. It's great. Uh, thanks, Sean. Really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, you joining. Uh, I think we should do more of these uh, uh, on specific topics. Uh, we have so much that we are doing in uh, in the network security security space because the world is so different that we all have to be thought leaders, right? And it's not a time for status quo. It's about protecting the business, making it more efficient, making it more business agile. So I think we sh- we should do more in the future on specific topics. Uh, that can help uh, rest of the community and and professionals who are trying to help their business in the cloud so thank you so much that's great, great Sean. really appreciate it take care bye take care you stop